The all-new Toyota RAV4 asks, what if? What if your ride was refined and rugged at the same time? Introducing a car that's got style and substance to spare. The all-new RAV4 Limited. Featuring a sophisticated, muscular new exterior and available options like a premium JBL audio system and panoramic roof. The all-new RAV4 Limited. Toyota. Let's go places. JBL and Clarifier registered trademarks of Harman International Industries Incorporated. Another edition of the Streaking Blonde podcast. Once again, my name is Pierce, and once again, I'm joined by Caroline. How's it going? Hey. Hey. And you'll have to pardon Caroline's ocean noise uh, uh, sounds coming through. You're in the car. I am. I am currently en route to Charlotte, North Carolina. I mean, North Kakalaki. <laughs> I am heading to uh acc's operation basketball which always sounds way more intense than it is but uh the acc basketball <laughs> media day so i'm very excited it should be awesome my first time going and we'll have tons of awesome content out of it so yeah. you'll have to excuse the noise however mom i am hands-free so everything's safe <laughs> that's good as a friend of mine said today operation basketball sounds something like an old person thinks a young person would uh coolly <laughs> describe it as <laughs> yeah Hey, guys, I don't know. What about, like, Operation, Operation Basketball? <laughs> and then the entire room's like, great idea, Jim. <laughs> That's what the kids are doing these days. Yeah, yeah but we, we need to make sure that we got on, on the podcasting because we have a lot to talk about for sure. Yeah. Uh, the Who's have played a couple games since last we chatted. They won in Chapel Hill, which Ooh. was amazing and awesome and hard fought for sure. Uh, and then they got uh, blown out on homecoming day uh, at home. They got shellacked. Boston College. Uh, so a couple weeks, obviously two very different results. Um, rather than going game by game, I mean, I think there's things you can really take from the two of them together, say that this season's obviously still a step up uh, and, and showing some encouraging signs, but you're going to have hiccup games here and there. Sure. And, and certainly we don't need to be talking about uh, winning the Coastal or anything like that. Which <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't think we were really ever doing seriously. But after winning Carolina, you know, you're going, all right, they're 5-1. and one. The, the tougher games are still in November. We knew that the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and, and BC, I think, dampers a little bit of – of the optimism uh, a little bit. Uh, and, and it wasn't just a loss. I mean, anyone listening to this probably watched it, but they just <laughs> looked bad across the board, got outplayed in really every facet of the game, except maybe punting. Um, Super good. Yeah. Yes, and there were, you know, was fantastic. a yeah. lot of that's got to go on the coaches. You know, they didn't look prepared. Uh, the, the, whatever they were trying, wasn't working. Abandoning the run game seemed to be uh, a theme with earlier worst games in the season and something they, you know, you, you're down a quick couple scores. I get the reasoning behind it, but Jordan yeah. Ellis needs to touch the ball more, no matter what uh, the score is, particularly, against Boston College because they're not statistically any good at stopping the run. But, you know, what were yeah. your 
biggest takeaways from the pair of games. So the UNC game was great in that one, it was a win. Yeah. Um, but to the way that they won, like you mentioned, like they've won in a variety of different ways this season, which is awesome to see because there's been blowout wins like Boise state. There's been uh, a comeback, you know, they've come back a couple times, Duke and UNC and this, they really made a defensive stand similar to the Duke game where mm-hmm. it shows the defense can do these things. My biggest concern regarding this past game is solely the fact that it showed again that the defense is susceptible to these big yardage plays. Sure. And the players saw, and so there were two big runs by uh, the, the kid, the really athletic kid for UNC. Mm-hmm. And then there were two huge plays, two 76 yard runs, which is brutal. That one drive that um, for the first touchdown on, we were mm-hmm. this close to a safety yep. and to have that drive then continue and so it was interesting because I talked to um, Coach Mendenhall and a couple of the players. So Chris Peace and Devontae Cross and uh, Andre Lavoni were available yesterday at mm-hmm. Football Media Day. Um, and I know there's been a lot of criticism of the play calling. Andre Lavoni had an interesting statement where he was basically like, this is all on the players because we didn't execute the right – like he's like, the coaches were making good yeah. play calls. Yeah. We didn't execute the plays. So if I'm dropping a pass when I'm open and Chris yeah. hits me in the hands – like, you can't really knock that play call because of it should have been successful. And so I can see both sides. I can see, you know, maybe they try and do – Boston College is air defense, pass defense, so I guess it would be the accurate term. <laughs> Hadn't really been tested much because people had just been jamming it down the throat mm-hmm. with the run game. Now, I don't know why necessarily why we wouldn't be like, hey, that's worked. Let's try that and do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Kurt has been successful, so I, it is what it is. I mean – I think it's fair to say, like, they just got stomped. Like, yeah. they just got outplayed. And I think in Bronco made a really interesting point in the press conference this week saying, in hindsight, you know, it's always 2020, he, thought, he said maybe there was a little bit more whispering about win number six than he had thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and I cannot fault for a second uh, those players starting to get a little bit excited about the sure. fact that a – previously or a perennially struggling BC team was coming to town. Sure. I just think maybe the guys got a little bit big for the britches. I'm not mad about <laughs> it. I don't hate it. I don't hold it against them. They're you know 19 to 22 year olds right. who are on the brink of accomplishing something that this team that they've never had happen in their right. college career. Right. Did they get a little distracted? Right. Perhaps. Am I going to get mad at it? Right. No. No, so, no, no. I think that this team definitely has – what it takes to win one more game throughout the rest of this year. There's still, you know, whatever it is, five more chances, which I don't know. It's scary. Yeah. It is scary to have the five and one precipice and the, and the fear that right. it might not happen. It would be a, a, a monumental letdown it, it, combined with a, a five win total that most people would have accepted. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and that's what sucks. Like, yeah. It so would really it, suck not to make a bowl game right now, but at the same time, like winning five games and like some of the games that they played, like they did really well. So it's right. like, and that's why I think Bronco is kind of like he said again. He's like, I think people are going way ahead of themselves. Like, right? He's still very down to earth on where they're at. He's like, this is foundation thing. This is building. We have not right. built. Um, and I think the other thing that people talked about and gave a lot of headache and questions over is the decision to play Lindell Stone. Which, after listening to a few things and looking at stuff, like I have no, flash, I have no issues with anymore, because yeah. I think that they they are looking at this season, right, in the long run of this season, and they weren't built 
for depth at the quarterback position. That's something they have to address anyway. And mm -hmm. whether or not like Lindell plays three years or four, like they need to still have someone available to mm -hmm. play that fourth year. It, like, it was, it, it was at the time very concerning because <laughs> sure. it, it sure. looks like, you know, Benkert's got to come out because of his helmet coming off. Let's put it, in the backup and he's the backup and if that yeah. were the only reason why then then it would have you know for sure infuriated everybody and so at the time that was my initial reaction yeah is that stone needs to be playing the fourth quarter if that's the case and yeah. he did so yeah. it made a lot more sense um after looking at the bigger picture of that game but it, even the, the, the thing i struggle with is if you're going to play stone then and you had that in mind at any point in time, you know, if it was yeah. going to be a blowout or if it, if it was a loss that it, at least there, there, there was no chance of coming back in and Kurt's getting his ass kicked, we're going to play Stone. Then why not play him against William & Mary a little bit or Boise in a blowout a little bit too? And uh, it, I think a lot of that was more um, like – Kurt has taken an increasing uh, brunt hits over the few weeks. I think they were hoping to have reduced that amount of – he took a beating – not a beating, but I just feel like he's got a little bit more uh, contact stuff with the last couple games. So yeah. I think it's, a, it's an evolving decision-making process. Like, sure. But you, you would have to anticipate that the banker was going to get – was right. going to be playing both sides of the ball. Right. So normally I think that's a situation. So against Boise State, Devontae Cross did come in and play some quarterback. Right. So I think he was initially the guy that if there was a backup situation, like a blowout or an injury, but with the injuries on the in the secondary. In the secondary, right. They lost because they didn't – that kid, by the way, he's an interesting kid. What a, what a team player. And I, I know that's like such a cheesy thing to say. Sure. Like, he's literally doing everything they need. He splits his practice – he was telling us that he was like, um, it's 50-50 offense, defense. Then on offense, it's probably about 40% wide receiver, 10% quarterback. And then the, the reporter's like, but don't you also play special teams? And he was like, oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> so he obviously has to practice that as well. And so the guy was like, so you literally give 110% every day. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I guess so. But it is, and, and he's done relatively well for a, a guy that's been asked to come in and just kind of, you know, do whatever on the defense. Um well, he looked good in the one Wildcat play. That yeah, they were, exactly. It's not really Wildcat if it's, just because it's a running QB back there. I, I assume yeah. he knows how to throw a football. We do, you know. I would, I would guess so since he played it. <laughs> I would um, hope so since he played it in high school. Yeah. I, it, you I know, know, it can't be overstated how, how critical making a bowl game would be for this team. It, yeah. Mainly – because of of just getting over that hump i think yep. you know the extra practice the yep. the over uh you know the, the exceeding expectations that most of the fan base probably had and maybe yeah. even the coaching staff had um and certainly the media had you know there are five games left you you think at pit is the most doable based yeah. on their performance so far louisville looks beatable Georgia Tech's at home and, and is, you know, they don't look like the best team in the country or anything like that. Right. 
Uh, the Hokies look damn strong, but, you know, rivalry games, who knows, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so it's all all things that we shouldn't give up on them getting right. a winner through here. Yeah. But it, they all could be losses very easily, too. It would have been nice, you know what I mean, to just get that out of the way. And, and, I right. think, and one of the things that they talked about, too, is just like, now, so after the loss, Coach um, Mendenhall said, like, before he could even get into the locker room to address the team, like, so when he walked into the locker room, I guess is the best way to put it, um, Quinn Blanding had already circled everybody up and was mm. talking to him and was like, you know, and, and they said the gist of it was pretty much like, we just got served some humility. Like, we need to realize that we can't, we have to focus on each week and anything that is pulling our focus other than Pitt we will lose this game. Yeah. Like, and base and Mendenhall said he didn't have to address anything else with the team because yeah. Quinn said everything that he had wanted to say and said it in a way that was, um, that got through to the guys. And, and it seems very, and part of it, part of me is like, sometimes it just, if you get smacked in the face like that, you're like, shit, yeah, wake up. Like if they had lost on like a field goal, like mm-hmm. do they get the same message type thing? You know what I mean? Do they change or, or, look at themselves the same way and make any adjustments that they would need to. Um, Mm -hmm. And part of it's just like sometimes in sports or in life, kids, listen up, pull up a chair. Sometimes (laughs) shit just doesn't go your way. Like there were a couple and, and obviously 41 to 10 is like a blowout, but like there were a couple like badly missed calls that were like pivotal at the time. Like, and I'm not saying that would have changed the complete thing, but like when shit's not going your way, sometimes it just doesn't go your way. Yeah. And like that uh, flea flicker pass they had, like just passed, just it. I mean, it was a great pass. It just barely got in there, and like it, so everything. Quinn, Quinn just up. missed it. Yeah, you know, like he he should have picked it. Yeah, everything <laughs> was just coming up. I mean, when they did look like they picked the ball, right? It, it barely touched the ground. Yeah, and it's just like everything was coming up, Boston College, and right. to give them credit, I think they're a better team than. And maybe everyone who loses says that, but they went to Louisville and smacked them around until Louisville put together like a little drive at the end or like a, you know, a little mini comeback. But I think they might end up being, they've got some talented players and I think that they might end up being, it's not as horribly embarrassing as some people would make it out to be. I think, I mean, obviously the fashion in which it happened, but, um, but it's, yeah, for me, that one's like, it's done. I don't think any less of this team. I'm not embarrassed by this team. As I saw some people on Twitter say, like, it, it'll be fine. Like, yeah. they're college kids. They missed a couple tackles and it ends up with a bad bad score. So, whatever. I'm over it. <laughs> well, that's good. As long as <laughs> you're beyond it. <laughs> yeah, as long as I'm beyond it. Everyone else move on. I, no, I, I think if we have the premise is that they are a well-coached team, we're not going to see a repeat uh, right. on the road this weekend. And an uh, interesting point that was brought up in the press conference was – uh, in some sense, this might have been a really big benefit because Pitt runs a similar style. So they've now had an opportunity to see that style and have their uh, flaws pointed out against that style. So maybe they can fix some of the things that they had issues with before heading to Pitt. So. Yeah, Pitt, Pitt hasn't had a very good defensive year. They're no. giving up 29.6 points a game. 
Um, and 434 yards a game. That's yes. a lot. Ooh. So they, they lost their quarterback, um, so they're playing a different guy at QB. And yeah. then their running backs are going to be a big issue because they've got like that Quadri Henderson or whatever. Yeah. Oh, he, he was His, great against the Hoos last year. Yeah, he's, he's tough to handle. Um, but then also um, they – I've read that their pass rush isn't great, which makes me a little bit more comfortable because that's one of the things that BC was very good at. Gotcha. Was making life miserable for Kurt all freaking day. So that's true. If the uh, if our sister site over at Cardiac Hill is to be trusted, um, which you know SB Nation shout out, um, they they said that they their guys have been giving op- opponents quarterbacks all day, which I would love. So. Yeah, gotcha. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about the basketball. They had a blue yeah, and white scrimmage. What? What? Uh, it was on Watch ESPN. It was. Uh, which was pretty exciting. Um, uh, Kyle Guy, he shoot ball good. Yeah. Um, was my <laughs> biggest analysis takeaway <laughs> from it. Primary yeah. takeaway. It's funny uh, that you can, like, you know, watch them play each other, and I, I don't know. To me, it's just sort of fun to watch them be playing. <laughs> you know, yeah. like there's uh, there there isn't really anything to take away. I guess you could say, well, like yeah, his Kyle's shot looks pretty still. Um, yeah. So wh- whatever, uh, it, it's fun. I'm glad they do it. The team seems to have a good time. I don't think there's really anything you can really read <laughs> from it. There are, yeah, there are a few. I mean, I completely agree. Like, it's tough. Like, how do you read a situation in which um, there was a joke from our buddy Ben Swain on Twitter that was like, he was talking about the Duke one. He's like, oh, they gave gave up as many points as they scored. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it's you're looking at your team, play your team. So right. either your team's doing something well on offense or someone's messing something up on defense. Like how do you, how do you look at what it is? However, yeah, exactly. However, Kyle guy looks like a different dude out there, a different guy in, hey, uh... in, only in, in this way. Obviously he can shoot the ball. Well, we knew that he shot almost 50% last year from three. Yeah. This, he was more aggressive. His shot looked as smooth as ever. Like that wasn't, he always has a quick release. He, scored in a variety of ways which I thought was very important and he was much more um he looked one more comfortable obviously again playing people he knows so maybe it's not that much to read into it but he was able to create different ways to score so he took it in the lane he had a breakaway dunk he obviously made three pointers but he made three pointers with a hand in his face he made three pointers on a steal that became um you know like a quick fast break turnaround the other way where he posted up on the outside and, yeah. and I think Isaiah Wilkins found him for a wide open three. He yeah. also took in the lane and stopped on a dime and turned back and like had a nifty move there. But the bet he added a floater to his. Yeah. 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 For sure. A few so I don't know if he, yeah. I don't know if Ty has been teaching him that cause Ty used a lot of that last year. Well, he's gotta be able to score in the lane for yes. sure. You know, yes. and, and that's the biggest way for little, tiny little dudes to do it, also um, true. <laughs> for sure. So, you know, it's, the guy's been great. going against the trees that are, um, you know, Diakite and Huff, yeah. like, yeah. all season or all, you know, fall or whatever. Yeah, I think a lot's going to depend on Nigel uh, and his yep. ability, not only to score, which he saw that he's quick and he'll he'll get into the lane and 
you know, transition finishing, he seems great at, which is always a relief. Um, but his ability to guard the other team's dynamic guys yes. really going to take some of the pressure off Hall um, because I think Hall can do a lot of that, and I don't think Ty and, and Kyle are going to yes. be great at that. Um, and, you know, you know, they could totally prove me wrong. Obviously, they're under one <laughs> of the better defensive coaches in the country. I'm sure they're going to be better at it. But I think Nigel is going to be pretty critical for them in the backcourt, uh, which we all – anticipated to be yeah and it showed that Tony here. was clearly ready and willing to let him run like he let him take the ball quickly and it wasn't just him going coast to coast like they did push it sometimes so that's something that I think a lot of people want to see more of um I did already feel a little bit more comfortable with Nigel's ball handling than mm-hmm. Shayok on those fast breaks sorry Shayok I miss you I do but you're Dribbling made me so anxious all the time. Um, it, I was very, he started a little slow. I was a little concerned in the first quarter with Nigel. And then by the second, I don't like, he barely missed from then on out and he took good shots. He made nice moves to the middle. He was relatively, there were a couple times on defense where, you know, the coaches were pointing stuff out to him or whatever, but that's to be expected. Um, and so it's cool. I'm excited to see what he can do. I, I mean, I'm curious what the starting lineup's going to look like um, because Ty was out. So it was, you know, Kyle, Jack, Isaiah, Devin. Um, yeah, I think that's everyone that I meant to say. And Nigel, who started. And I would think Ty would start in place of Nigel, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Because then you're like, okay, maybe Nigel comes in for Kyle. And yeah. Kyle- but then yeah. Kyle scores so many – like, after all this, he scored 25 points and like – Yeah, and, and you never know with what the starting lineup is really ever indicative of, you know, right. minutes or anything like that. That's Absolutely. why, you know, Jack Salt starts and he's not hey, going to – I think hey. – whatever, come at me. I love Jack Salt. Jack he Salt is, should not be playing the most minutes of the front court players on this well, team. no, Isaiah is going to be. And Diakite should have more minutes than Salt, for sure. I don't or know. Or things are not – going as well as they could be. I don't know about that. Like, it, people, it would be a clear Salt, indication that Diakite isn't where he should be. I think Salt gets a extraordinarily bad rap on offense that isn't as uh, deserved as people might think. Nobody mm. can get people as open as Jack Salt does. He is yeah, yeah, he's good screening. Yeah, I thought yeah, you meant, like, his ability to score. Well, yeah. that's basically an assist you can't score if you aren't open, and he's not setting those blocks. I'm not saying he's not viable or, or not, you know, <laughs> like I know why he's being played. I'm, but the, <laughs> I, I have also weighed the pros and cons in my mind. So here's the thing, though. Yeah. Like everyone would have said the same type of thing about second year Akil or second year Jerome Mainsay or second year Darion. None of those guys were particularly lighting it up on the offensive end, but turned into. But I remember second year all those guys, and I don't remember saying that about the, well Mainsay. I mean that that came out of nowhere. But Atkins and and Akil are, are different type of players, right? You know they're somewhat bouncy power forwards who you know had to grow into 
their height and grow into a role of, of you know, playing with a little more strength and whatnot. Right. Jack Salt's already been big and strong. He he's, just he's doesn't, good. he doesn't have, you know, the touch that the guy, yet, those guys have. Yet. Anyway, I will, yes. I, will stand, I will stand for Jack Salt any day of the week. I think he's going to be very important to this team. Uh, but I'm not saying that Huff and Diakite are not. Uh, Huff and Diakite might not be as a big of an interior scoring help as we might think. So I don't want people to think that because, I don't know, there wasn't a lot of it on Sunday. Some of that might be just because they know who they're playing against or whatever. They didn't decide to run that. I don't, I don't know. There wasn't, mm-hmm. that's my biggest question. Still my biggest concern, if you will, is that's a huge piece because while there are outstanding shooters again on this team, including Jay Huff, like that three point shot is gorgeous Diakite made one like I'm all for that take the open shots we cannot just fall in love with jumpers because it's gonna end up again where you hit a slump you can't rely on those points and then you're scoring 39 points in the NCAA tournament I mean that's yeah. like yeah. overly dramatic about it but um, <laughs> but I, I do think that those guys I'm very excited about Jay Huff Diakite had a couple nice like baseline jumpers which again make me stressed uh, but a lot of the Jack Salt and Isaiah not taking it into the post might have been the fact that, again, the two springiest dudes in the history of the universe were the guys playing the post against them. So, I don't know. I, I just yeah. want to see more post play. Even if it's just throwing it in threatening to do it. Because then you at least make them respect that. It's just like they're establishing a run game so they have to respect it so you can open up the passing game. Same idea. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, I I really like this team. I think that this team will actually finish better than last year's team. Yeah, Um, I agree. I I think the defense is going to be fantastic. Yeah. Um, There are still some pieces that need to get worked out just from young guys picking up stuff. But um, when you have two guys that are like the last line of defense, like Jay and uh, Diakite, um, Diakite swatted one to like the third row. Like it was insane. and uh, I think – so Ken Palm has some preseason number one in defensive efficiency. So, obviously, yeah. they like us a lot. But. Yeah, Ken Palm's always <laughs> going to be pretty uh, favorable for the Who's. I mean, the predictions yeah. I'll take season are, are, yeah, only losing four <laughs> regular season games, which I'm pretty sure we would all take. By a total four. of nine points. Right. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I love the Ken Palm. I love the idea of relying on efficiency more than just scoring averages and things like that. Uh, you can get away from uh, some realism <laughs> when you focus yeah, sure. only on Ken Palm, as we've seen with Virginia basketball ever since they've started to be really yeah. good. You know, yeah. they're really good statistically and really good very often at winning a game. Um, but they, you know, the end result success hasn't been uh, top level, you know, top yeah. like to the, the level that you would think a top 10 in this type of ranking is every year. Well, they haven't been a top 10 in results yet. Um, I guess an elite eight counts as finishing in the top 10. But anyway, you know, um, there's a a bit of a grain of salt to be taken with with the efficiency, higher advanced stats. But that doesn't mean we don't love them for sure. That's true. Um, It'll be interesting. The only other person or two people I want to talk about, too. Um, I saw some some people be a little rough on DeAndre Hunter in the comments on a a couple of the, you know, posts. About what? 
that he was underwhelming and didn't perform as much as this person thought that they would. And that's to each their own. That's fine. I don't know what you expected the kid to do in his first yeah, exactly. scrimmage against his own team. It's, you know, it, they, they would play. just be running layup drills and it would have been the same thing. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, so, you know. He had a couple good plays. There were a couple moments he looked a little lost on defense, again, to be expected. Not lost on defense, that's even a little strong. Um, but yeah, I, I do not have concerns about what, it, what DeAndre Hunter is going to be. Um, he's most likely going to play a lot of four to when they, when we play a, a small guard lineup, mm-hmm. um, which actually I think would be a really fun lineup if you have mm-hmm. um, like Kyle, Ty, Devin, Nigel. Well, that's maybe it's a little too small. Take yeah, one of those guys yeah, out. Yeah. Take one of those guys <laughs> yeah, out. Put in like Wilkins or Diakite with, with uh, Hunter. Well, maybe if they're playing Villanova. It really yeah. caused some problems. Right. Um, and then I actually, a guy that's going to get some burner minutes, or not even burner minutes, but could provide some some pretty good here or there help out minutes, Marco Anthony is physically ready to play. Like, yeah. He's a big kid. Yeah. And he, I thought he looked very strong. Not yeah. strong just physically, but I thought he played really well. He was someone who stood out to me that I kind of kept an eye on and wasn't really expecting – like a ton as the mm-hmm. one lone freshman, but I thought he was, I thought he was very good in, nice. in what I was expect, like looking for from him. So I think that's someone that could definitely come in end of the half type situation or spell Devin Hall or, or Ty in a situation where they need someone, maybe not be the primary ball, primary ball handler, but uh, mm-hmm. he's a big kid. Um, he's where, where Kyle came in, you're like, this guy looks like he's in high school. Um, <laughs> Marco came in, you're like, this kid looks like he's he's a college basketball player. Oh, sure. No offense, no offense Kyle, if you're listening. I love you. Awesome. <laughs> no, he looks the part. I'm sure he'll get yeah. some some playing time. Um, you know, I think Tony does that a lot of times, the the sort of spark, switch it up, uh, even in, in – sh- hugely important games that you know i know he he seems to be the coach that likes to talk about tightening the rotation and then uh, other than maybe those like guys who have had falling outs because of defense uh or or disgruntledness or things like that i tony seems to still play everybody who isn't redshirting and is a viable option to to contribute depending on the game uh, you know, Thompson and, and Shayok leaving because of playing time. Maybe there yeah. was some writing on the wall that that was going to change. But everybody seemed to play a handful <laughs> last yeah. season. Maybe that's why uh, they they didn't perform in the end run as well as we would have liked. I don't know. I think everyone who comes off that bench, I feel pretty okay about. Yeah. Um, like, And that's a great thing to have. It's just it is going to be a question of, like, where are we finding minutes for some of these guys? So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely don't envy them that um, because you look – and, again, when you look at it, like, can you imagine if – obviously we wouldn't have a couple of the – like probably wouldn't have Nigel and wouldn't have like probably Frankie Badocci. Um <laughs> I just like to say that. Um, if if Mariel and Darius had stuck around. Sure. But can you imagine if those two guys were still – like then you'd have a guy who wasn't even redshirting and someone who's a fourth, you know, a fourth year in right. you know, two fourth years. So right. how, I mean, I don't blame them for leaving at that point. Because where, where are the minutes going to come? It would from? be a lot of interesting choices because there would be no clear guy. Uh, you, yeah. you, know, you would have hoped Mariel would have been that, but I don't think we had any 
any guarantee of that, but it doesn't matter at this point. Uh, have fun in Ames, Iowa, or wherever the hell you are. Um, not that I hate on the guy I've been doing. Yeah, and I wish the best. Yeah. But Iowa State, gosh. Ugh. We already beat them, losers. <laughs> um, um, yeah. All our Cyclone fan listeners are yeah, so upset, angry right but. now. If you need to email someone, email Pierce. <laughs> oh, my name's Paul Wiley. We need to talk about Carla Williams, our new athletic director, the university coming from Georgia. I'm sure anybody listening to this knows of the background info, but just in case she uh, was sort of in that associate assistant, a bunch of different titles. um, I don't know how that all works. Yeah, but she's coming from the deputy athletic director position so, there you go yeah, she was the assistant athletic director she was an associate athletic director and right deputy athletic director right Those being progressing forward i'm assuming um because i doubt that you move back and then become one higher um <laughs> yeah i went to the press conference yesterday mm-hmm. and she is one hell of an, imp- of an of an impressive woman i'll tell you that um i'm really excited about it it's one of the things that you kind of think about where you don't often hopefully fingers crossed Mm-hmm. have many of these type of press conferences like you don't go through a lot of athletic directors you know mm-hmm. um and it's just one of those things you get a little nervous because it's kind of a big deal like they're going to be the person that's running the athletics and that's kind of, <laughs> kind of a big deal yeah it's kind of why we do what we're doing right now we you know write about the teams and mm-hmm. support them and, and hope that they get better and um, I think that she was, she said the right stuff. She won't start until January or February. Um, and she will still have Craig Littlepage around at that point to answer mm-hmm. questions as, as he takes a role in the president's office. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it'll be exciting. I think she's a great hire. She's been a player, uh, at the college level. She played basketball at Georgia. She was an assistant coach at Georgia while they had a very successful uh, run to the final four. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's also, so she, in that sense, she's done the recruiting piece. She knows what it's like to be a student while studying and playing. And she knows the administrative side of it. The Kevin Sauer, the rowing coach was on the search committee. And he had said one of the things that the coaches had pointed out as something that they wanted was someone who was a coach so that they mm. could kind of understand what they have to go through. Yeah, that makes sense. And all that stuff. So that's something that was a big check mark. Really, the only check mark that she doesn't hit that people are concerned about is the fact that she's not associated with the University of Virginia. Yeah, but, and uh, that's can definitely be a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe we need to get away from some of the same names. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that's a huge thing where I'd rather have someone who has like high academic standards and like. I don't, I'm not saying any of the other people who are from Virginia don't have those things, but right. she hit the boxes that were like crucial to hit. And uh, yeah, maybe it'll be big to have someone outside come in. She's already gone to photos, so she liked that. So that's a good start. Um, but yeah, I think she's a very cool lady. She's smart. Good uh, stuff. Well-spoken. Her family is great. I talked to her daughter for a little bit. One of her daughters for a little bit. Yeah. If the one complaint I can hear about her is that Georgia fans think she cared about the rules too much, um, <laughs> that's okay with me. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to fret over that. Um, you know, th- it's an interesting time at UVA because of that. You know, new presidency. Um, 
the the sports obviously are top tier as a whole, but football is the big concern, and she's coming from a football school. Yeah. Um, you know, you you hope that bodes well. So uh, she had a you know, hoping. she had told or recommend or said to to Bronco to give Mark Rick to call, which you'd think would be a strange request, seeing as she fired him. Um, however, he was all about like he loved he had nothing but wonderful things to say about carla williams and that's an impressive thing to be able to pull off when you fire someone from a position as big as football coach where they will still gladly sing your praises to um Mm -hmm. the person who will now be working for them and then mark fox their basketball coach called tony uh bennett and was like (laughs) (laughs) bennett oh okay in case (laughs) Um, and was like, oh, you're like, we're so sad she's leaving. Like, you're getting a good one. Like, you know, all that sort of stuff. So. All right. Well, anything we haven't discussed yet that we need to discuss? World Series? Oh, yeah. We got either way. Some news. Yeah. Who's in the World Series? Derek Fisher. Yeah. And Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor's just destroying folks. He's he's killing it right now. I love seeing all the All the random tweets that are like. Man, it's so hard to pitch to this guy. He can't get out. Yeah. Him, it was him and Justin Turner, right? We're co MVPs, yeah. I think, of the yeah. championship series. I love Justin Turner, too. Yeah. Um, I've always been a fan. He, back when he was on the O's, he wasn't that great. Um, but Oh, he, I didn't know he was on the O's. Yeah, yeah. Like, he played for the like, O's for a while and the Mets. Um, and <laughs> a lot of what they're talking about, about the Dodgers being so good, is obviously they have this astronomical payroll, but it's not the reason why they're so good. So. Uh, it's not their all-stars who are, are really leading yeah. the team necessarily. By all-stars, I mean the, the higher-paid guys. He um, looks like Tormund from Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, he does, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, who are you rooting for between the Ooh, Astros? And the- I don't know. So I was – obviously, as a Red Sox fan, I was rooting hardcore for the Astros. Um, but I, I've really been happy with what Chris Taylor's been doing. Yeah. So I kind of th- – I mean, not that I – you know – the Ashes don't play Derek Fisher enough for me, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think either way, it's always cool to see, you know, a team that hasn't won in a while win. Right. Um, even though, like, the Dodgers obviously have, like, this really long history. And, right, you know, right. Stuff. I hope they get Vince Kelly back to do something. I can't imagine I've ever rooted for an L.A. team in anything. Not. No. <laughs> you know, unless unless they, it was an LA team playing a team I didn't like, um, yeah. which I can't think of an example of that happening. <laughs> like I'd root for the A's if they were playing the Yankees, you know what I mean? Like Well, yeah, but that's that's like Bay Area. Like I'm I mean That's true. You mean like specifically straight up LA. LA, Southern California, and whatnot. Um yeah. but anyway, uh, I I'm probably rooting for the Astros, just in case anyone cares out there. I'll I'll usually pull for the AL. I team. do yeah, like I do really game. like the Astros. Even when they're like Yeah, Altuve, how who could hate him? He's great. He's so little in game. Verlander's ODU Goochlin guy, you know. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. That's cool. It's you. He's from, I believe he's from Goochland. Uh, but anyway. Ooh, one last shout out before we end yeah. this bad boy. Shout out to the women's field hockey team. Word. Um, for winning the ACC regular season title. Um, they crushed it. They're really freaking good. And I haven't been able to do a Monday motivation in a couple weeks. All right. Uh, a couple of crazy things, but good for them. Go out and get that national championship because yeah, we need more. 
We need more of them. More and more. <laughs> Always more. <laughs> All right. Well, next week we will be back to hopefully talk about bowl eligibility and possibilities after a pit win. And if not, then we'll start uh, coming up with reasons for optimism for the next games to try and get there uh, basketball season not far away at all under three weeks at this point before the home opener um, but certainly we'll be back to talk a little more about both of those things before that season starts but uh thanks for joining me caroline drive safe yeah, i will thanks for chatting it's very reckless of you but i hope <laughs> all the listeners appreciate it we'll catch you uh next time go who's Underpants, never classy. Edible arrangements, always classy. It's easy to make a big impression this Valentine's Day with the freshest fruit and the finest chocolate from Edible Arrangements. Don't wait until the last minute. Place your Valentine's Day order by February 10th and save 20% on all pickup orders over $50. Stop by your local Edible Arrangements and experience love at first bite or order online and have delicious delivered at edible.com. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like taking those perfect new year, new you portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE to learn more or visit a store today. 